Awesome. How are you all doing? Yes? Are you sure? Some of you I don't believe. I mean, life could be worse, yes? You could be Australian. If you're in year seven, eight or nine at school, you can go out through those doors and the switch, have a blast. Be nice to your leaders. It'll be really good. Um, I'm really excited about next week with Pastor Brent coming, um, but also we got a, uh, got a, a bit of a special announcement next week as well, so you want to be uh, around for that. I'm not going to, I really want to tell you what it is, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, you might be able to coax it out of me with an Eiffel at steak and wrapped in bacon with a red wine jus. You might be able to get it out of me, um, but otherwise, we can wait till next week. I feel like God really wants to do something this morning uh, for us. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like, well, I know that it's my job or it's the job of the leaders of this church to help take you on a, on a spiritual journey to where God wants you to be. I hope that this series is helping you on that spiritual journey. I hope that if you call Revive Home, that you feel like you have grown in your journey. I couldn't think of anything worse than being part of a church where I feel like I'm the same person I was five years ago today. Our, our growth should always be continuing because the Bible says that God takes us from glory to glory and strength to strength. And, and he also has plans and purposes for every single person's life in this place. And if we're not stepping into those plans or growing into those purposes that God has for our lives, then, then life can become really frustrating and really difficult because the ultimate purpose of your life that God created you to do is to make a difference. Ultimately, every single person on the face of this planet that God created was created to make a difference. Some of them are making a difference for themselves. Some of them are making a difference in all the wrong ways. But the reality is every single human being that walks the face of this planet has this ingrained thing on the inside of them that they want to do something significant, make a difference in people's lives or make a difference in the world that we're part of. None of us like just rocking up to work every day and, hello, yeah, cool, yeah, I'll send it out to you, click, hello, yeah. Nobody likes that. And maybe you do. I didn't like that. I, I hated my job half the time because it was so repetitive. And, and there's this thing on the inside of us where we are created to make a difference. And the fact is, is that we can get really, really focused on ourselves from time to time. It's just a fact of life. We, we drift to thinking about ourselves, don't we? We have a natural pull to selfishness, yes? Talk to me today. Because I'm not the only one that can be selfish from time to time. Apparently, I was selfish yesterday morning. Because we have this thing in our house that on Saturday we do family breakfast. Because it's the only day that we know both kids are going to be home. So we do family breakfast. And it's meant to be time about, you know, turn about. So Trudy and I do breakfast one Saturday. Then then Oots and Madison, because they're a couple, they do breakfast the next one. Seth somehow always gets away without ever having to do breakfast because he's single. Um, and if you're, if you're about 18 years of age, um, you're a really nice girl, you know, like, um, come see me afterwards. Um, but um, yesterday morning, I was just enjoying myself. I was relaxing on the couch and, and just, and 
and Trinity made breakfast all by herself. And then I got told that I was lazy and should have been helping. But did she ask for help? How many, how many, how many guys here know what I'm talking about, eh? Eh? You know, banging things on the kitchen counter hard and closing drawers aggressively is not communication. We all drift to selfishness. It doesn't make us bad. It just makes us human, yeah? Yes? Listen to this. Self-centeredness pulls us into survival mode, but God pulls us into significance mode. Self-centeredness pulls us into survival mode, where we're just looking after ourselves, making sure we get through life. But God is always pulling us into significance mode, to be somebody that makes a difference. You are not alive to exist. You're alive to make a difference. You're alive to leave a legacy. What's a legacy? It's what everybody remembers about you after you are gone. Legacy is what they talk about you at your funeral or at your 80th birthday. It's what people actually remember you for once you're no longer around. That's what we do. What we do in life and do before we die creates a remembrance of what people believe about us. I've been to two funerals in the last two weeks, and they were both talking about the significance of the impact that that person had on their lives. It's what they remember after everything else is gone. You know, not once did I hear at these two uh, funerals, not once did I hear, oh, yeah, man, they, they, they worked really hard, saved up lots of money, and they owned three houses, and and uh, they, they drove a Maserati and, and a Ferrari and they had a Mercedes-Benz. and Not one mention of anything other than things like with Jordan. It was like she was the biggest encourager ever. Every time you're around her, you just felt important and significant. And with Trinity's Uncle Barry yesterday, it was just like he was always there for people in need. Always, the home was always open, no matter what. They, they had people live with them. They, they helped people's lives change. Nobody talks about the stuff. They talk about the impact that people had upon their lives. And generosity creates impact in people's lives. Listen to this. Psalm 112 verse 5 to 6 says, This good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. They will be remembered forever. Good comes to those who are generous. In other words, if good comes to those who are generous, guess what comes to those who are stingy? Not good. And they will be remembered forever, but not in a good way. They will be remembered forever. The Bible says that God will, uh, that good will come to them. And if they can get this mindset right and have a lifestyle of generosity, that what people will remember after they're gone will live forever because of their generosity. It's also what God remembers about us after we've gone. Did you know that? It's not just what people here remember about you, but it's what God remembers about you. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you helped his people and continue to help them. And so every time that you help people, you are loving on God and God doesn't forget what you did for him. God remembers what we do too, not just others, not just fellow human beings, family and friends, but God remembers what we do. And one day, every single one of us, all of us, are going to have to stand before God and we're going to be judged. 
And one of my jobs as your pastor is to prepare you for that moment. And so this morning, I'm going to try and prepare you for the moment that you face God. I'm going to tell you what the test is, because there's two tests, and I'm going to give you the answers. How many people think that sounds awesome? Yep, so that you can pass, because we all have to face God at some point. Romans 14, 10 to 12 says this, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. In other words, why do you treat people like that? We all have to give an account. We all have to stand before God. Don't be so judgmental of others. You're going to have to stand before God as well. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Every single person has to do this. And it's really easy to be focused on this life, this life that we're living right now. But eternity is coming, and it's coming quicker than you realize. In Trinity's uncle's case, he was alive one day, had a brain bleed the next, and was gone. Eternity is coming for you. And your eternity is affected by how you live this life. And this life is a life that James, in the book of James, calls a vapor. In other words, it's just like, it's here one day and it's gone the next. It's just like, it's like a mist that just disappears. But there's more to this life than this life, because if it was just that, then what would be the point? But there's more to this life than just this life. The problem that you and I have is that we probably, 99% of our conversations are about this life. Very little of our conversation is about eternity. It's about what's on the other side of this life. And yet what we do in this life affects that life. Are you hearing me today? This is like, this is heavy I I am going to talk about generosity in a minute, but you have to understand our motivation for generosity is not because of what we get in return. It's because of what I'm about to teach you. And so this life just goes very, very quickly. And we talk about this life a lot, but I reckon we need to have more talks about eternity. It's easy to take our eyes off eternity because the world around us keeps pulling us back into this world. Yes? Yes? That's why they say things like YOLO, you only live once, which to me is just an excuse for bad decisions and bad behavior. Oopsie, only live once, (laughs) got to try it. No, actually, I know this is going to sound really corny, but you actually, you don't only live once, you live twice. You live in this life and you live in eternity. It's YOLOT, you only live, YOLT, you only live twice, sorry. It was a bad one. It says this in Hebrews 9.27, man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. We're we're all going to face judgment before God and it's hopefully my job today is to try and prepare you for this moment that you face him, to prepare you to pass the test that he's going to ask you. And it's a two-question test. You don't face God once, but you actually face him twice. There's two questions that God is going to ask us when we face him. The first one is this, what did you do with my son, Jesus? 
What did you do with my son Jesus? Revelation 20 verse 11 to 12 says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, this is talking about Jesus, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence. What that means basically is that, that this is when he's come, you know, like they don't exist anymore because this is the this is the end. And there is no place for them. And I saw the dead, those that had gone before us, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. So where it says books, it's talking about our lives. There's books of our lives of all the different things that we've done from the moment that we were born all the way through. There's books about our lives. Another book, though, was open, which was the book of life, which is when we give our lives to Christ, our name is written in the book of life. Yes, are you with me? And the dead were judged according to what was done as record, recorded in the books. Right, let me explain this to you so that you, you understand what's going on here. Those that know Christ, what the Scripture is teaching us, those that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, have invited Him to be their Lord and Saviour, that actually know Christ, their lives are not judged by what's written in the books, the books that lay out every single one of your life. Their lives are judged what's written in the book, the book of the Lamb of God, the book where your name is written in there, that you are saved, that you have been purchased with a price. If you've given your life to Christ, you're not judged on the books, how you've lived your life. You're judged on whether your name is in the book. If you don't know Jesus, then your name, then you are not judged by whether your name is in the book. You're judged by how you lived your life. Are you with me? So don't have your life judged based on the books of what you did, but have your life judged on the book by what Jesus did. And so those that know Christ or have given their lives to Christ, when it comes to this judgment, you are judged by your name being in the book. And so you're judged by what Jesus did for us on the cross and that he covered all of our sin with his blood and his love and his grace and his mercy. And so we have nothing to fear when we face the great white throne because our names are written in the book of life. But if your name is not written in the book of life, then your life is on display to be judged for everything that you've done. Like, man, this is heavy. So how do we get our name in the book so that we're judged by the book and not by the books? Well, it's really easy. You just need to have a relationship with Jesus. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says this, not everyone, this is Jesus talking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I, I think that's one of the most challenging scriptures in all of the Bible, that we can be going around casting out demons, healing the sick and doing all this stuff, but if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, he considers that evil work. Don't you think that's scary? That we can get so caught up in all of the doing that we actually fail to have relationship with him. He says, not what you did wasn't bad. You just didn't know me. There was no relationship with me. And so the answer to the test of what did you do with my son Jesus is really easy, and I'm going to give you the answer. 
your response will be, I knew him personally. I had a relationship with him. He was my Lord and my Savior. I gave my life to him. And if you're in this place and you've given your life to Christ, that should be very, very exciting to you because it means that you are in heaven and you don't have to worry about any of that judgment stuff. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yes? You could be a little bit more excited about it. Would you rather be judged? Okay, cool. Just checking. So the first test is, what did you do with my son Jesus? The answer is, is I had a personal relationship with him. I gave my life to him. He was the Lord of my life. And the second question, let's see, the first test determines your eternal existence, whether you're in heaven or hell. The second test is very different. And the second test is this. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? In fact, the scripture says that everything that we have is the Lord's. So anything that we have, your gifts, your talents, your skills, your money, your arms, you know that you're meant to use your arms to comfort those that are hurting, to, to love on those that are grieving. Yes? Are you with me? Your legs are going to be used. Everything that you have, God expects you to use for his kingdom purposes. You're meant to take anything you have, the Bible teaches us, your smile, your time, your ideas, your talents, your abilities, your car, your house, your clothes, your job, and we're meant to use it purely for eternal purposes. Everything about our life needs to be driven by eternity, not by the here and now. Everything that we have should be driven by eternity. The house that you have, you have so you can invite people over for lunch and bless them and build relationship with them and help them find a place where they belong. The car you have is not just to get you here to church, but it's to get others here to church also. The job you have is not just so you can earn an income, but your job is your vocation, it's your ministry, it's your calling. God placed you in that workplace because you're the right person to reach every single person in that workplace. Everything we have has eternal perspective to it, and everything we do must have eternal perspective to it. Must have. Jesus even said it earlier, everything that you did for those people, you did for me. When you loved on them, you loved on me. So when I am using my home to love on people, when I'm lending someone my car because it has a tow bar and they need to shift and they needed a trailer or whatever, I am doing what God has called me to do. I am loving on them. And the Bible says this, that he doesn't forget what you did. How cool is that? You think you'd just be nice, but you're doing something that has an eternal purpose. And so he's going to ask you, what, what did you do with all this stuff that I gave you? This, this test is for Christians only, because you're already in heaven when this judgment takes place. But this is not judgment as in like a courtroom where the, where the, you know, the judge goes, boom, I sentence you to. It's not that kind of judgment. In fact, the, the Greek language around this is, is more talking, and we talk about the Greek because the New Testament was written in the Greek, and so we have to understand how the Greek translates because the English language is pretty poor compared to the Greek language. But the language around this in the Greek, it's, 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 more, like, it's more like the Olympics where there's a celebration of all the athletes, but the judges are there going, that's a 7.5. Nine, you know, like, you know, well, it's like the gymnast comes out 
and they do all this stuff, and then they're waiting there, and it's like nine, eight point five, seven. You know, it's and different judges are judging differently. It's, it's that kind of thing, or or you can even put it this way: it's almost like an awards ceremony, where there's kind of like here's the player of the of the year and most improved player, best attitude. It's that kind of a thing. It's 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 a celebration of everything people had done type of judgment, not a judgment as in you're going to get punished if you haven't done anything. Are you hearing me? The, the, the punishment comes if you don't know Jesus, if you're not written in the book of life, you spend eternity in hell. You're now in heaven. You're just being judged now or you're being celebrated or you're being awarded for what you did with what he gave you. You're in heaven. You're safe. You're okay. He's not going to punish you. But it is a judgment of what did you do of what I gave you. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is a different one to the great white throne. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In other words, he's saying this, that when we face God at this time, we're given what we're due based on what we did while we were here. Whether it be good or whether it be bad. It's so quiet in here today. I hope, I hope, don't take this as a, as a condemning thing. I want you to understand what our motivation should be for a life of generosity. We know that this is a different judgment from the first one because the first one has nothing to do about what you did and everything about what he did. The great white throne is about what did Jesus do and did you receive him as your Lord and Savior? Because salvation can't be attained by what you do. Salvation can only be attained by faith and grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we know that this is a different one. And the reason why the first one can't be anything about what we did is because the Bible says that no man should be able to boast about it because it's everything that Christ did for us through his blood. So this judgment is kind of like, what did you do? Yep, you're saved, you're in heaven, but what did you do with what I gave you? Matthew 16, 27 says this. We're getting somewhere. Hold in there with me, please. 16.27 says this, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. You know that word reward in the Greek means payback. It literally means this, that when he comes, he's going to pay you back for everything that you did. God, God is going to reimburse you. He's going to pay you back. I don't know about you, but... But that makes my heart feel good because the Bible says this. It says, don't grow weary in doing good because in due season you'll receive your reward. That there's a, there's a payback for all the pain and the heartache and the suffering that we go through. God pays us back for that. He's coming with our reward. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about that. I'm looking forward to seeing what it is. Hopefully it's a championship 18-hole golf course where I'm constantly shooting under par every single day. For some of you, it might be a, a no, no, I won't say that. You're really quiet with me right now. He's going to pay us back according to what we've done. God's going to pay us back. 
All the sacrifice you made, musicians, singers, all those early Sunday mornings and all that practice that you've put in, he's going to pay you back. All our kids workers that, that enjoy the blessings of your children every Sunday morning, God sees that and he's going to pay you back. That's, that's exciting. That's fantastic. It's brilliant. In fact, in Revelation 22 verse 12, one of the last scriptures in the Bible, it says, look, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to their work. It's like Jesus is rocking up to your house and he's bringing the presents. Like it's Christmas morning and he's knocking on the door and you open it and there's a truckload of rewards coming your way. How many people think that Jesus would give the best Christmas presents? I think he would do the best ones, but he's coming quickly and he's bringing the reward for what you have done. So the right answer to what did you do with what I gave you, the right answer is this. I used it to make an eternal difference. I used what you gave me to make an eternal difference. Matthew 6, 19, 20 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves. Are you hearing this? He's saying, hey, hey, hey. Don't store up stuff here for yourself. Store up stuff for yourself in heaven. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. It's like God is like, I don't have a problem with you storing up stuff for yourself. Just make sure it's heavenly stuff, not natural stuff. It doesn't mean that you can't have a nice house and a nice car and all that. Just use it for eternal purposes so that you store up for yourself treasures that are in heaven. He's actually commanding us. He's saying, hey, you need to store up treasures for yourself in heaven. Isn't that cool? I've never seen that before until I, until God started speaking to me. We're going to see a few more scriptures where God is constantly talking about you're saved. You're going to heaven now. Now do stuff here on earth that stores up rewards for yourself in heaven. How do we do this? We, we do this by being eternally minded. How do we store up things in heaven? You know how you be internally minded? If this whole message could be summed up in two words, it would be this. Be intentional. Just be intentional about how you live your life. Don't just let life happen. Be intentional about it. Be intentional about what you're doing. When you walk out into the foyer after church today, be intentional. Look for that one that needs a hug or an encouraging word or a conversation or a hello or a smile or maybe even a prayer. When you walk into your work tomorrow, look for the one that needs the encouraging word or needs the, the pat on the back or just needs the smile or just needs something nice. Look for the one that you can buy a coffee for just to bless them. Be intentional about how we live our lives. Let's make sure that everything that we have, that we're using it for eternal purposes. Don't feel like you're convinced. Let me just give you three things that I think we need to intentionally do. The first one is we need to intentionally give. We need to intentionally give. Give whatever you have. And I'm not just talking about money now, because I know some people switch off when we do. I'm not just talking about money. Money's on the list, 
But there's a whole lot of things that we can be intentional about in our giving. We can be intentional in giving our time. We can be intentional in giving our kind words. We can be intentional. Here's the thing. You cannot give what you don't have. But you are responsible to give what you do have. Well, I don't have this. God's not asking you to give what you don't have. But you are responsible to do something with what you do have. Maybe you're an amazing cook. Well, I think you could be really intentional by making some really nice um, savory cheese scones and, and just dropping them off in the office just to bless, just to bless the staff. That would be just probably put them in my office and I'll make sure, I'll make sure they get distributed evenly. One for me, one for me, one for me. You, you cannot give what you don't have, but you are responsible to give what you do have. If you have talents, you're supposed to share it. If you're a musician or a singer, you're supposed to share it. If you're an encourager, you're supposed to share it. If you are a phenomenal barista, you are supposed to share that gift, especially on a Sunday morning. Because I love Baristas, baristas are beautiful people. They enrich the world in every way, yes? If you are an amazing cook, use that gift. If you are just the best smiler on the face of the planet, use that gift. Everything that we have that God has given us, we're meant to use. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says this, it says, Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. In other words, there's eternity attached to us using our gifts. There's intentionally giving and using our gifts and our talents and our abilities for eternal purposes. But to do that, you actually have to have a plan. You can't just rock up and hope it happens. You have to plan it. You have to plan your generosity. You have to plan to be someone that's giving. You have to, you can't just turn around and go, oh, I'll try and make space somewhere. No, no, you need to get hold of your, of your uh, diary and make plans to be generous. Make plans to be able to take somebody out for coffee or shout someone lunch. You've got to make plans for these things to help people. Yes? It doesn't just happen. We have to plan our generosity. I heard this and I thought this is really cool. He says, if you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. Yes? Is that true? It's like, is there holes in my pocket? If you don't, if you don't plan, if you don't have a budget, if you don't plan, then you'll just find one day you'll wake up and it's just not there. You don't know where it went. But so we've got to plan these things. Let me give you, I just want to hit on money for a little bit to hopefully help you. All right, don't switch off. This is going to be good. Five things we can do with our money. Five things are going to come up on the screen. You can spend it. You can repay debt. You can pay your taxes. I, I recommend that you do that. You can save it and you can give it. And you know what? This is how most people live their lives. This is how most people live with their money. And if you do that with your money, then that's what just about everybody else does. But can I tell you that when you do that with your money, this is what it looks like. And the next slide's going to come up. When you spend it, it's me first. 
When you pay debt, it's credited second. When you pay taxes, it's government third. When you save it, it's me fourth. And when you give it, it's others last. And the problem with that is, is this, is that God's called us to live a different way. And God's called us to put others first and ourselves last. But the only way that we can put others first and be generous with our finances is if we have a plan. Generosity doesn't come with spontaneity. It's planned. It's planned. It's planned. So in our life, we have a plan, Trinity and I. 10% goes to God. 10% goes to savings. And 80% we can do what we want with. Pay the bills, buy the food. Mind you, food nowadays is probably about 100% of our income. So expensive, isn't it? God's called us to live different, a way that is generous to others and not me-focused. And, and if you're part of Revive, if you're a visitor, don't, you don't need to think about this, but if, if you consider Revive to be your home family and you're not giving yet, you need to pick up the, live, the, the giving card in the seat pocket in front of you and set it up. Why? Because God expects us to be intentional in our generosity and he expects us to look after his house so that we can do the things that bless a community. I'm not begging you to give. We're not in a bad state financially. I'm trying to help you to pass the test of what did you do with what I gave you. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says this, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So don't be crazy. It's got to keep in with your income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. In other words, he's saying that you should set it aside so that we don't have to take up special. This is why we don't take up offerings in our service, because we don't need to, because we trust you that you will follow what Jesus tells you to do and you'll participate in that. And everything that we have that you see in this building is because of the faithfulness of people that do this week in and week out. Everything that we're doing in Fiji, in the preschools and in Vanuatu and in Uganda and the different medical clinics and, and helping all of these people, uh, the, the $12,000 that we subsidized last year of people getting counseling to help with their mental and emotional health, all of that happens because faithful people Faithful people, week in, week out, have always put God first in their finances. And if you're one of those people, that's part of your reward. God will look down and he'll say, hey, look what they did with what I gave them. You know, some like 80 odd people's counseling was subsidized last year. We had about 38 people go through the waters of baptism. We had about 80 odd people give their lives to Christ. Just in Fiji, when I was there a few weeks ago, we saw over 100 young people give their lives to Christ. All of that is because of your faithfulness of sowing for eternal purposes. I'm not asking you to give because we have a need. I'm asking you to give because you love God and you love this house and you believe in what God is doing. And I want to challenge you before the end of the day Grab that card, go home, sort it out, set up an AP, but also grab somebody and be generous towards them. Buy them a coffee, shout them lunch, just do something that shows that they're loved. 
and do because you're called to live differently. We're called to live generously. Be intentional with your money. Second thing is intentionally serve. Intentionally serve. First Timothy 6, 18 to 19 says this, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should, be, should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up, here, it again, here we hear it again, storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. We're called to serve people and we have to be intentional about it. And if you're not part of something, then you need to find something to be part of because that's what God expects of us. He expects us to use our gifts and our talents. The third thing is that we have to intentionally share Christ. If I can just have Zoe jump on the keys or Maddie or whoever's around. Intentionally share Christ. James 5, 19 to 20 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. We need to live for this. Yes? Are you hearing me? Because you've gone really, really quiet on me. I'm sorry, I talked about money this morning. I know it's a sensitive subject for you. And the reason why it's sensitive is because you don't trust God with it and you think that you can control it. But trust me, 90% with the blessing of God is better than 100% in your hands. But we need to live for this. We need to live for people coming to Christ. Do you know the Bible teaches us this? That when one soul comes to Christ, that heaven has a party. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are of heaven, but I got a feeling that if I died today and went to heaven, it's just a 24-7 party. Because people are coming to Christ all over the world. Muslims are coming to Christ at a rapid rate of knots because they're getting visitations from angels and God himself. And they're just and, and, and every time heaven's just like, number one, what? And it's just like insane. Theory bread going everywhere. Streamers, smoke machine, I don't know what it is, but it's just like, it's just a party up there. Every time someone gives their lives to Christ, there's a party in heaven. Every single time. And then when we see it sometimes in church, we're like, oh, that's nice. No, no, it's party time. It's party time when somebody gives their lives to Christ. It's party time. There's a reward. He who wins souls is wise, the Bible says. There's a reward for what we do here. We need to live for this. This is what we need to live for. Out of everything that I've mentioned this morning, this is the thing that we've got to live for. This is the thing for our generosity of sharing our faith and sharing, and we've got to be smart about how we do that. Don't be the bullhorn guy on the corner who tells everyone they're a filthy, rotten sinner and going to hell. They don't need to be told that they're a filthy, rotten They know that they're a filthy, rotten sinner. We all know that we're filthy, rotten sinners. Except Paul said this. He said, I'm the worst of all sinners. Yet Paul is the one that wrote about the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God the most. They need to know that God has already laid down his life for them. And in spite of everything that they've done, he did it even before they even wanted to acknowledge him. 
that in spite of everything that they did, that He still loves them and He's still for them and He's still provided forgiveness for them. And all they have to do is receive His forgiveness, repent of their sin and receive His forgiveness. That's all they have to do. He is ready. He's waiting. It's like He's on the edge of His seat and all of heaven is on the edge of their seat waiting for that one to come because they love to party. And they want to party. And we want to party. And I want to party with you as you see your friends and family and loved ones come to Christ. We have a party. I don't know about you, but, but just this week, as I thought about this a whole heap more, I thought, I can imagine now, it's like, um, I'm going to sit on the edge of the stage, sorry if you can't see me, but, but it's almost like this to me. It's like I'm talking to someone and, and maybe sharing with them about Jesus and I just get this picture now of like heaven's just like on the edge of their seat. It's like, keep going, come on, keep going, keep going. Holy Spirit, get in there, get in there, come on. Help, help, help a man out, help him out. Because how many people know it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people of sin, not me. And so, so he's, he's coming in and it's like, we're getting close, we're getting close, we're getting close. And then someone says, yeah, actually I'd like to receive Jesus. And they're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then they repent and ooh, it's just goes ballistic in heaven. And here what we do on earth is like, that's nice. I think we've got to live for it. Listen, you'll never miss the money you give away, but you will miss the money you waste or the money you give to your brother-in-law. That was just a joke to lighten the moment. Let me say this. You will never, ever miss what you invest in eternity. What you invest in eternity, you will never miss. And the reason is, is because He rewards us. He pays us back for our eternity investments. There's this thing called ROI. It's called return on investment. And when you put your money into different things, like share markets, whatever, you're going to return on your investment. The only guaranteed return on investment is eternal return on investment because God always pays you back. And He is coming and He's bringing His reward with Him. And we need to be people that live a life of generosity. We have a spiritual rhythm in our lives of generosity where we smile, where we encourage, where we buy our coffee, where we give, where we serve, where we share Jesus. So that rhythm of spiritual rhythm of generosity brings about change in people's lives, that we have an eternal impact on people's lives and that there is a reward that's stored up for us from heaven that when he comes, he pays us back for every single bit of it. That's why we're generous, not because You've probably been taught that if you give, God will give back to you, press down, shaking the air, run out, and say, oh, so I put money in the bucket, then God will give. No, no, it's not about that. It's about storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy it. And when he comes, he rewards, he pays us back. That's why we're generous. It's not because of what I get here, it's for what I get from heaven. Come on, are you hearing me today? Why don't you stand to your feet? Every single person in this building right now. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're thinking about all of this. Maybe you don't like a word that I've said this morning. That's okay. We don't always have to agree on everything, but I'm pretty sure Scripture's clear when He says, 
that he will reward us for everything that we have done here. And maybe you're like, man, I'd love to do something, but I just don't know if I can. Can I just say this to you? God didn't give you the gifts and the talents and the abilities you have if you couldn't do something with them. That'd be like me buying Seth a PlayStation 5, but never giving him a power cord. Just so it can look pretty in his bedroom. What would be the point? Oh, I don't really feel ready. You're never ready. God doesn't call the ready. He calls the obedient. You don't have to have your life together. Friend, trust me. I don't have my life together at all in any way, shape or form. Sometimes I feel like an absolute hypocrite up here talking to you guys because I know what's going on in my world internally. My attitudes, my thoughts, my behaviours. You just see me up here and you think I've got it all together. You, you, you got no idea. I'm not perfect. I'm just called to do this. God doesn't, doesn't wait for you to be prepared. Or for Scripture we see that. Moses the murderer, David the murderer, Paul the murderer. <laughs> oh, we better not use them. They killed people. God's like, they're the right people to use. You you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be obedient. You just have to go, you know what? I'm going to live my life in such a way that eternity is what drives me, not the here and now. I'm going to live in such a way that I'm always thinking eternity, eternity, eternity. Eternity, eternity in my finances, eternity in my time, eternity in my words, eternity in my actions, eternity in everything that I do. I'm going to be intentional in my giving. I'm going to be intentional in my serving. I'm going to be intentional in my sharing about Jesus because I'm all about eternity. I'm all about living in the here and now for the eternity that's come in the lives of those around me. Why don't we all close our eyes just for a moment and if you're here this morning, and you're like, man, Craig, um, I, I don't even know him. If I'm honest with you, the first question I'm going to fail because I'm not written in the book. I've got books, but I'm not written in the book. Well, here, I've got a good news for you. He's already died on the cross for you. He's just will, willing and waiting to take away all of your sin. He's already provided the vehicle for you. He's not angry with you. He's not upset with you. All he's looking for is for you to go, you know what? I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to give it to him. And then you're going to find that the peace of God and the mercy and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God is going to flow through your life. Without that, friend, you can't get into heaven. It's just a reality. You may not like it, but that's just the truth. He died so that you wouldn't have to die. He paid the price for your sins so that you don't have to. But so that you can benefit from that, you've just got to acknowledge him and give your life to him. And so if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you've never repented of your sin before him. Or maybe you have, but you know that you're not really living for him right now. You know that you're not really living the way that he's caught you to live. And you want to return back. He's Once again, he's not angry. He's always looking for the prodigal. 
He's always looking for them. He runs to you. He doesn't wait for you. to. He, he's already here. His arms are waiting. All of heaven is on the edge of their seat right now. They want to have a party for you. And so if you're here right now and you need to give your life to Christ or you need to make a recommitment, well, nobody's looking around. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and then I'm going to pray for you. But if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to get my life right with Christ. And right now, why don't you just lift your hand? As soon as I send it, I'll ask you to put it down. Is there anybody like that this morning that they want to do that? They want to get themselves right. They want to give their life to Christ or they want to get themselves back on track. Right now, is there anybody like that right now? Cool, thank you. It's one. Come on, party in heaven now. One. Are you hearing me? There's a party in heaven right now. Church, come on. There's a party. I pray for that one shortly. I want to encourage you to fill out the Live Connect the card so we can get people to get in contact. If you need a Bible or something, we can give that to you. We've them at the information needs. There's one other group of people that I love to pray for this morning when no one's looking around. And that is if you're here and you're like, man, if I'm honest with myself, I've been living for the here and now, but I want to be somebody that lives for it, for it, for the eternal purposes of God. I want to be somebody that makes an eternal difference in my world. If that's you here right now and you're like, Craig, would you pray for me that I'll be able to be someone that lives in such a way that I make an eternal difference? Why don't you put your hand up right now? If that's you, right now, across this place. Come on. You want to make an eternal difference in your school, in your workplace, in your community. Come on, eternal difference. Father, right now you see every single hand that is lifted in this place. Father, I pray that you would help every single one of us. It's not that we're bad people. We just drift towards selfishness. And so God, I pray right now that you would help us in every situation that we encounter from this day on, that we would think to ourselves, I want to make an eternal difference in my workplace. I want to make an eternal difference in this conversation. I want to make an eternal difference in what I do with my finances. I want to make an eternal difference of what I do with my time, my house, my car, everything that I have, God, is yours to make an eternal difference and that you would help us, God, to keep that at the forefront of our minds, that we would live, Lord, where our conversation internally is more about the eternity than it is about the here and now, and that we would see lives change, people coming to Christ, communities transformed, marriages come back together, loved ones coming to Christ, that we would be a place where heaven is having a party every single day and every single week as we're people that have become intentional in everything that we do. I pray, God, help us to be eternally minded in all that we do and that they would start to build up for themselves treasures that are in heaven and that they would be excited about when you come, the reward that you would bring them. Bless them, I pray. We also pray for the one that's given their lives to Christ this morning. God, I pray that right now where they are, that they would sense your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness right now. Let it flood through every part of their being. I break every single lie of the enemy that says that they're not forgiven, that says that they're not good enough. We break off every bit of condemnation and lie of the enemy right now, that they are good enough. Christ died for them because they are good enough to receive salvation. And so we release that upon them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for coming. 
today. I pray that this has helped you. I encourage you if you call Revive Home and you haven't started giving yet, grab the giving card and get it set up and watch what God does as you make internal investments time and time again. But let's make an investment in one another in the foyer. Let's make sure that we stick around, that we talk to people, that we smile to people, that we encourage one another. Maybe pray for someone that needs prayer. Buy them a coffee. Whatever it is that you need to do, let's make an eternal investment in the people that we love and care about every single day of our lives. Amen? God bless. We'll see you all next week.